So, uh, hey, you ready for this? Today is one year since we moved into this building a year ago. Can you believe that? Amen. Yeah, awesome. Uh, about 150 or so people that we know of who have accepted Christ in this last year. 113 people baptized. We've got uh, about 700 more in attendance than we did a year ago at this time. And, and uh, wow. God is doing a huge thing, but let me tell you, it's nothing about the numbers. Here's what I get excited about. When God starts diving into your soul, and I start seeing a fervor and an excitement about this place, about what God's doing in you, and that your worship's going up, now I'm getting excited. And uh, God's doing a huge thing in this past year. I can't even imagine what year two and beyond is going to be like, right? And uh, we just lay that all in his hands. We faithfully follow after him. Let's see what God's going to do. Uh, Lord, may this be your place. And uh, let's see what he has. Um, wow. So a great way for us to launch into a, a new sermon series as well. We're starting a new sermon series this morning called Gospel Deep. You're like, hang on, I thought that was the title of the other one. And uh, Gospel Deep, it's all year long. But this one, his glory restored his glory restored. Like in the past uh, nine to ten weeks, we went over his glory trampled. And we talked through Romans chapters 1, 2, and 3. And now we're going to be getting into Romans 3, 21 and beyond there. Going into chapters 4 and 5. All about God's plan for fixing our problem. What we've done wrong, his solution. His glory restored, okay? So turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 3, verse 21. We got some ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands. And uh, if you need a Bible, we'd love to get one in your hand. Just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, all right? Uh, Romans 3, verse 21. And uh, just keep your hand raised. They'll get a Bible to you. <laughs> one way or another. And uh, all right. Question we're answering here. Romans 3, 21. Simply this. Hey, uh, if we did all this mess, Romans 1, 2, and 3, if we're the ones trampling on God's glory, then what is the solution if we have no hope? Uh, That's where we stood last week, right? There's nothing we can do. It's all about him. There's none righteous. No, not one. And we're never good enough. And so, so what's the fix then? And sermon title today, it's all, well, it's faith alone. It's faith alone, all right? And so the question we're answering is how? How does faith work? How does God meet it out? What's going on with it? Here we go, point number one. Uh, His grace. Receive by faith his awesome gift of forgiveness and righteousness. Uh, Receive by faith his awesome gift of forgiveness and righteousness. That's his grace, okay? It starts out in verse 21 here, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. We hear that and we're like, yeah, yeah, right. Believe in Jesus. I get it. I think that's what I hear at church all the time. Be careful. We get too flippant with the depth of this truth. So, so hear me on this now. Okay. When we go out to dinner, sometimes you can order a salad, right? And sometimes you may order a little more, you know, you get into the grilled cheese or a, or a burger. And then there's other times where you order a filet and not just any old filet, but I'm taking the biggest, baddest 10 to 12 ounce filet you got. And, and by the way, you better bring a steak knife. I'm ready to go after this thing. That's what we're looking at today is some deep, heavy meat. 
of God's word. Get ready to pull out the knives as we dig through this and be able to parse out what it means to you and what you need to be doing with it. All right. The meat of God's word coming out here on his gospel and the hope that we have in him. And uh, he says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested, shown, made clear. God's righteousness, his perfection, his awesomeness, his never ever makes a mistake, never even has an inkling to uh, God's righteousness uh, shown apart from the law. You know, is what he's saying is, listen, there's nothing we could do under the law, right? All it does is measure us and show us wanting. And so somehow God's righteousness is displayed apart from it. How? How does this happen? He says, uh, although it is apart from the law, although the law and prophets bear witness to it. Now, what's he saying here? He's saying, listen, the law and the prophets, they're not worthless, but they don't save. They're not worthless. We can learn from them. It says they bear witness. They're showing that God's righteousness is revealed in this manner. And uh, really, how is that? I mean, I got to be honest. I read it this week and I'm like, well, that's cool. I wonder how that is. How does it bear witness? And I want to see some of that. And so I went after kind of a hunt on it. And let me just give you a top four truths you can find in the law and the prophets. Uh, you may want to write these down. The top four truths you're going to find in the law and the prophets uh, that bear witness. So number one, uh, God's perfect righteousness is defined. Uh, when you look at the law, you're seeing God's perfect righteousness defined. The Mosaic law, right? Exodus 20, 21, 22, 23. Uh, really, all of Deuteronomy, that's called the second law. It's when all the law that was given is repeated. Like, here's where we're at. Let's retake our stand. And as we understand the law, what we're getting a grasp of is God's perfection. What is it like for him to express into this world? It looks like that. He would never do He would always do, right? That's what you're seeing in the law. God's character uh, being defined. Uh, So God's perfect righteousness, that's the first thing we see. Number two, uh, we also see that uh, man uh, never measures up. A woeful inability. We always come up short of that law. Well, where do you see that? Well, just look in the law. When it says, do this, do that, don't do, don't do. By the way, when you miss it, then here's what you're going to have to do, right? And so it's set up right from the beginning. This is what you need to do to be perfect. And when you're missing it, then, okay, man's inability to measure up to the law. It should have been a given. And it's kind of surprising that they were still trying to live towards it. Isn't it amazing how often we do that? We're like, hang on, hang on. I know it didn't work yesterday, but I'm going to, I'm going to try again. I'm going to do it by works and see how good I, what are we thinking about? Right. And, uh, so number one, uh, God's perfect righteousness. Number two, uh, man is definitely not measuring up. Number three, uh, there is atonement for sin absolutely required. Uh, when you look at the law, when you look at how God's interacting, he's like, hear me, my holiness and my righteousness demands blood payment for rebellion period that's the way it goes man and god says in the law look you can use a lamb you can use a goat those are animals they'll cover for a day that's it but they're giving you a pointer they're showing you what it's going to be like they're pointing you forward to this fact 
Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen? Like that's our hope that the law is showing us. Yeah, we had this almost loser secondary model of an animal and shed blood of a lamb. But pointing to the fact. Christ Almighty. And notice it says that he takes away the sin of the world. Not covers it over for a day. That's the lamb and the goat thing from before. Takes away the sin of the world. The law was pointing to this. God demands blood payment. And he's got this thing covered. You watch. Lamb of God is going to be the solution. And uh, and then from the prophets, there will be a Messiah and he will be Savior. Uh, man, if you read the Old Testament and you read through carefully, you will see all over it, Christ, Messiah, hope, Savior coming. There is absolutely a fix for our problem. And as the Jews looked at it, they just kind of missed something. Here's what they missed. When they looked at Messiah, uh, you know, have you ever been in a mountain range? And you're looking out and you can see the big high peaks, right? And then there's these lower peaks in front of it and you kind of almost ignore them. They kind of just get blended into the shadows and you see the, the big mountain peak behind it, right? So that's exactly what the Jews were wrestling with, with Messiah. As they look at Jesus Christ, the huge mountain peak, he will be king of the universe. He will reign. He will rule over all for all eternity. Jesus Christ, king. Okay, they're seeing the Christ Messiah kingship. Here's what they missed. The lower mountain ranges in front of it of savior, servant coming first. And so if you take that mountain range and you kind of turn it, now what you're seeing over distances first is savior coming, Isaiah 53. But later in time is king coming. And yes, there are two comings, and yes, they miss that piece of the Messiah, and so sad that they miss that. It is in the Old Testament, absolutely. Isaiah 53 speaks to our servant Savior, the Messiah, hope in Him. Shed blood on Him, awesome hope because of Him. Later, King forever. That's Messiah. Uh, Yeah, the law and the prophets, they bear witness to this hope. Uh, This wasn't God going... Oh, well, that plan didn't work. Take two. Uh, that's not what it was. And we often think of that. We're like, law, that was his first attempt. And then he was like, never mind. And so then he's going over to this new plan. And now it's this faith thing. And no, it was always this. And as he's walking men through, he's showing, he's displaying, he's revealing that we have hope in a coming savior. We measure up woefully. Blood shed is required. And our God is perfect. The law and the prophets bear witness. All right. Um, Notice it says right after it here. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. The righteousness of God. His righteousness. uh, Through faith. uh, Everybody say through faith. Through faith, that's the big deal. We better be catching it. That word is going to be repeated a lot in here. And so through faith uh, is our hope uh, in Jesus Christ. And it says, for all who believe. For how many? Who what? For all who believe. Faith. And that's where the hope is at. It's in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. It's in his effort, not mine. Lord, my faith alone. And... uh, What is faith? 
Well, maybe here's a couple of good words for it. Uh, number one, uh, you could just say trust, faith. You're trusting in him. Uh, it's more than mental assent, right? Willingness. It's not just, yeah, I think that's true. Uh, Jesus, yeah, sure. Jesus died on the cross and rose again. Great. I'll accept that fact. And uh, more than that, though, are you now leaning on him as your God? That's faith. Uh, remember when Jesus was interacting with the man who was demon-possessed, and, and as the demons were crying out, they, they cried out, Son of God, have mercy on us. And, and what were they saying? We recognize who you are. We won't sit under, but we recognize who you are. Hey, that's not saved. Everybody say, not saved. That's not saved. And uh, understanding a fact and assenting to it, but not letting it change your life and who you trust in, that's not faith. All right? And we're called to a believing faith in our God where we willingly trust him and follow him. Faith. Okay? He says, uh, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. What a hope we have. It says, for there is no distinction. What's he talking about? He's like, I'm making a point here for all who believe. Look, the Jews don't have one way and y'all have another way. That's not what's going on. All of us have one way through faith. Okay. One way, one problem. All right. We all have the same problem. We looked at that enough, right? Romans one, two, and three. We've seen the clarity of we are broken before him. We are in woeful need. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. That's you and me without Christ. And, uh, and then he leans into our life and he begins to make an impact. And, uh, it says here, there is no distinction. What is our problem for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yours and my problem. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Hey man, this was nothing but a sports term. And uh, you've heard me say this a number of times from the front, but I'm telling you, uh, when they first heard this, they were like, oh, that's a cool analogy. Now it's become like just a religious term, right? The word simply meant to come up short. It was an archery term. He was writing to Rome. They had archery competitions all the time. And as the dude would pull back and fire, if he missed the bullseye, well, that's one thing. If he missed the outer rings... Well, that's another thing. When you come up completely short, you hit the turf, man. Sand flies. You've completely missed it. And they're like, oh, he sinned. All right? It was just an archery term. And uh, so you've heard me say this before. It's like basketball, right? Where you get out to the three-point line. You're about 23 feet out, just a little beyond three-point lane. And you shoot, and you only shoot about 19 feet. You come up four feet short, totally lame. And everybody cries out, air ball, right? Loser shot. Air ball. And how many points is an air ball worth? Universal sign, right? Nothing. And uh, that's what he's saying. You've come up short, you shot an air ball. Or when you stand in the box and you pick up the bat and you're standing there and the pitch comes in and it's a curveball, it hits the turf and you swing waist high. And they're like, you whiffed, right? You missed it completely. That's what Paul's saying. All of us have one problem. We've missed it completely. Uh, we missed what? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Man, everything gospel comes back to the glory of God. Don't miss it. The measuring stick is not the law. The measuring stick is God himself and his glory. 
his perfection, his awesomeness, his design for our lives, his intent. And we missed that mark completely. You missed it. That's what Paul's saying. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says, and are justified by his grace as a gift solution. And wow, I'm it almost sneaks in there. Like we've been looking for three chapters at all this struggle and pain and he just snuck in the solution and all are justified as a free gift by God. Justified. Um, Justification. We better understand that word. You might want to write the word justified down and uh, let's define it a little bit here. All right. It's a big deal word. It's the 90 cent word. Get out your knife. Here we go. We're cutting into a little meat. All right. And a justified, it's something declared about you. This is the first thing, something declared about you, but not done to you. And you got to let that settle for a moment. It's declared about you, but not done to you. What am I saying? He's not saying you are righteous and makes you perfect. That's not what's happening in justification. He's declaring over you some truth. He's declaring it about you. But as yet, he's not actually transforming in that moment to perfection. That's not what he's doing. It's a big deal. It's a declaration of you. And we're going to talk about the rest of this in just a second. So number two, it's a legal act of God. It's a legal act of God. Uh, This is him saying, this is how I'm managing the right and wrong in this world. It's a legal act. He is like the gavel coming down and finding not guilty. He is justifying, okay? It's a legal act. Number three, uh, he's instantaneously doing two things. He is releasing your debt as a sin, as a sinner. And secondly, he's counting you as righteous. Big deal. Debt released, counted as righteous. Now get this, you ready? This is the word justified. It happens right at the moment I trust in him. At first belief in him. Right then. That would be what we call the word saved. In that moment, he is justifying. And he says these words. Sin covered. Second. Do you see this righteous one? Declares you righteous. Listen to me. All too often we think of the word declared and we're like, we think of it as a whisper. Like he's like, okay, dude, you're righteous. It's a secret. And, and don't tell anyone. And, and let's even go one step further. Now we get into the statement of, well, what about losing your salvation? Do you know what that looks like? That's like God going, do you see this righteous one? Never mind. <laughs> right? That there is no loss of salvation. God is declaring it over you and he's making it true and it's because of him. And that's what we need to count on. As we lean on him, as we count in him, the salvation is in him. We do not get saved by works. We do not stay saved because of works. It is him and him alone. Amen. That's our hope in Jesus Christ. Justified. This word is massive, man. God actually declares it over you. Zephaniah actually says this. He sings a song over you. He launches into song as he says, I love you. I love this child of mine who I'm bringing home. This is my adopted one. And I declare you before the universe, righteous, justified. That's what God does for you and for me. Wow. 
And uh, number four, a justification. It's more than a pardon. I get this. Pardon is free forgiveness, man. Pardon's like, ah, never mind. Nothing has to be paid for that. You just give it up. This is not a pardon. Justification, it is heavily costly on Christ at the cross. So I wrote this, number five, two, then justification, it respects the law and pays on our behalf. Justification, him for me. It's that simple. Him for me. Those are the three words we've talked about. We've talked about them repeatedly. We can get so caught up in the gospel message that all of a sudden it doesn't mean that much to us. But get this, in and of yourself, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who seeks after God. He reaches in. He chooses to draw us. He wakes us up. And in that moment, there is a change within us as God literally gets us aware of our sin and aware of his awesomeness. He stands over you and declares you to the universe as righteous. That's our God. Problem. God just said, do you see this righteous one? And the angelic forces are like, that dude ain't so righteous. You know what I'm saying? That's a moment where he's looking at you and me and they're going, I don't know what you're talking about. Right? And, and, and so he says this, do you see this one? I'm declaring righteous and I don't see him as righteous. Hang on. I am now going to do a work in him where who he is will become what I've just declared. Sanctification. That's our hope in him. As he declares us righteous at justification, he says, it's done, man. Count it as righteous. Now we're going to start making it so. Sanctification. That's our hope in Jesus Christ. Man, when we read scripture and it says, get into these works and be about them, it is not so we can earn it. It is not so we can keep it. It is so we can cooperate with him as he makes good on his word. He has declared you righteous. And he is now going to convert you into righteous over time. Praise be to God. Amen. That's a good spot for an amen. Our God getting glorified as he justifies his glory restored because it's all about him. Praise be to God. He says here and are justified by his grace as a gift by grace as a gift. We did not earn it. We did not deserve it. Uh, Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, we are redeemed. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, you are bought by his blood at the cross. Man, you aren't yours anymore. Bought. If you trust in Christ as your savior, you are his through redemption. And, And hear me on this. Redeemed. This is not, I've heard this twist before. This is not uh, God somehow paying Satan off. Everybody say not redeemed. Well, who's he buying it off from God, the father in his righteousness, demanding wrath penalty. Remember that Romans 118 for the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. The holiness of God demanding it, the love and the opportunity from Jesus Christ, fulfilling it redeemed and God within himself, completely satisfied at the work he is doing over you redeemed and justified. That's our hope with him. That's our joy in him is that uh, he's doing all the work and we get to be benefited 
And God is not a hypocrite. God is not blind. But God knows exactly what he's doing. His glory is being restored. Okay. He says, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Where's that knife again? Get ready. We got a little more meat going on, right? The propitiation. And what's he talking about? And uh, it's a big word, man. And we don't use it that often in the English language, right? Like when's the last time you used the word propitiation? I used it yesterday. I was reading this passage. We don't use it. It's not a word we use. What does it mean? It simply means this replacement payment. Jesus Christ is my replacement payment. Him for me, as we talked about. Propitiation. It's that simple. Christ for me. And what did he end up having to give? It says, by his blood. His work on the cross, his shed blood. Remember we talked about it, the law pointing that there must be atonement through the, the shedding of blood for sin. Jesus Christ's blood for you and for me. Redeemed, bought, justified, and in a process of being sanctified. That's our God. And then it says right after it, to be received by faith. To be received by what? Faith. To be received by And we better get it to be received by faith. And yet we go out and we're like to be received by good works, man. I'm going to try harder. What did we just miss? It's faith, right? Do not miss it. Faith, faith, faith. And how often we go out saying it will be about works. Why? Because if it's not, then my pride takes a massive slam and we need to set it down. It's not about me, Lord. I'm in dire need. It's all about you. May you be worshipped. Faith. I thought the best way to define it was just to come right out of scripture. So Hebrews 11 verse 1. Faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith. It's assurance and conviction about tomorrow and about my God. Faith. In fact, it goes one step further. Verse 6. Uh, of Hebrews 11 and without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him Hebrews 11 faith we believe that he exists and we believe that he rewards those who are seeking after him now let's not be remiss I just said the word seek after him remember Romans 3 there is none who understands there is none who seeks after god what's up with that what's going on and okay romans 3 without christ before christ there is none who understands there is none who seeks after god he starts drawing and calling he's wooing us to in that moment we believe bam you are justified right there he stands over you and says do you see the one i have made righteous and in that moment that you are declared righteous he now begins to work with you and from that moment you seek him are you hearing that his work in you is that you seek him watch out and be careful these are massive moments theologically do not look at romans 3:10 and go yeah, I don't know what that non-righteous, non-seeking after thing thing is. I think I seek after him. And you missed it. Without Christ, we do not seek the statement. 
with him reaching into our lives, there is a seeking after him. That's what's going on. And in the midst of us having this faith where we have assurance, where we have conviction, God doing an amazing work in us where he declares over us what we have no right to have declared. And then he begins to transform us so that what he declared ends up truth. That's our God. Can you imagine the glory of that from the angel side? And just check that out. You are watching as an angel and you see the most despicable, pathetic, rebellious rejection of God. And in the midst of it, he draws and calls and we have no business being there. And as they look, they're like, what? And then he stands over and declares what he should never declare. And then he begins to make in us what we aren't. And God is getting all the glory. And can you imagine the angelic hosts and whoever else seeing it as that's beginning to change in you? And they're like, whoa, did you see what's just happening? That's what's going on. Man, the scriptures are real clear that the angels look into these things and they're stunned. God's righteousness revealed. God's glory being shown. His glory restored in salvation as you become like him. Because of your own effort. Do you see how much that misses? But because of his work in you. Praise be to God. Amen. And that is saved at every level. I love it. And uh, faith. We talk about believing. We talk about trusting. And you know, this past week we've had a lot going on around here. Uh, last week was a big passage. It was a tough passage as we walked through uh, Romans 3. Closed down that first series. His glory trampled. And, and uh, we had a number of people really wrestling with things in here during that service. And uh, we had a number of people talking with each other afterwards outside of and praying with. And I actually heard one story where they went to lunch and girl ended up explaining through what was going on and her friend accepted Christ coming out of here and God's working in this place. Are you hearing me? And it's time for us to hear him and see him and respond to him. And, and uh, man, this weekend we ended up rallying uh, 270 guys from here. We talked about the Act Like Men conference. We were pumping it through the summer and, and had 270 guys from here, five busloads. We can throw a pickup and uh, five busloads from here. And we rolled it out to Indianapolis. Uh, 12,600 guys rallied out there uh, for a night and a day of worship and of teaching and of God getting the glory. And, and uh, here's what I love. On Friday night, uh, the gospel message was being made clear. And uh, do you see all those guys? Can you see me in there? Yeah, I can't either. And uh, as the message was being made clear, and I mean in its most basic form clear, and then a challenge was given, it's time to get it right with God. It's time to come forward if you need to accept him as Christ for the first time, or maybe you need to come back to him and get it right with him. Uh, I don't know the exact number. Over a thousand guys came forward. Over a thousand guys. And uh, people up front, people all around there, uh, it took them like 10 minutes to usher them back down the middle aisle to go out so they could get them a Bible and get their name and get them off to some connections in local churches. And, and uh, just cool to see what God's been doing. This is how God works in faith. He draws us. He makes much of himself as the weakness in us is made clear. And his glorious strength is shown over as broken men 
come to know him as broken women come to trust him. And as our faith in him is raised up in him, not because of much of us, but because of what he's doing in us, God is made much of and God's glory is restored. That's saved. Man, if God isn't shown off, then we're missing something because that's what it's all about. And uh, simple question. Have you trusted Christ as your savior? Have you let him have his way with your soul? Willingly, openly responding to him that he might declare in you what could never come true on your own. Time to set down those efforts and pick up your God. Will you please lean on him today? And if you haven't put that stake in the ground today and be done, no more battling. Jesus, I'm trusting you. I have faith in you for tomorrow. You're my God. Just trust him, will you? First step. Number two, second point here. His righteousness. God made clear at the cross the horrific cost of sin. God made clear at the cross the horrific cost of sin. And uh, he starts out in verse 25. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. This was to show God's righteousness. Remember, we said back in uh, Romans 1, 16, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed, right? So here we go. God's now showing his perfection. How is he doing it? Just took a little bit of uh, studying and thought, quite honestly, get ready, pull out your steak knife again. We got a little bit of meat going on the word forbearance here. And uh, it says forbearance. Um, what does that word even mean? Uh, it basically means this. Some penalty is due, but I'm withholding it. Forbearance to withhold. Okay. It's like this. There's a rebellious sin against God and God is seemingly inactive. And there's another rebellion and another rebellion and seemingly inactive. Do me a favor. Do not mistake forbearance for indifference. Very big difference. And God is not indifferent to sin. He is being patient. He is working with us. God cares deeply. He longs for it to be righted. And trust me, there will be a time where his wrath will be poured out. Okay. And it says in his forbearance, he withheld those former sins. What's that even talking about? Like, get it this way. Um, What's up with those Old Testament dudes? Like, how does that guy live in the Old Testament and get saved? I don't even understand it. Like, he lives by the law, by works. Is that what it is? And, uh, <clears throat> wrong answer. Not saved by works. Everybody say, not by works. Not even Old Testament. Not by works. All right? Well, then how are they saved? We're going to get into it next week, Romans 4. But Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Faith. That's what it's all about. And so in the moment where they're trusting in him and in the revealing of him, when they're saying it's all about him in faith, let me get this straight now. God in his forbearance hung on until the time of Christ. And when it was poured out, it was poured out with everything he had. And Christ took all the wrath of our ungodliness and unrighteousness. And in forbearance, he has revealed his righteousness. What does God think of sin? Look at the cross. What is the cost for my sin? Look at what Christ went through. The gravity 
and the depravity of the mistreatment of our king. The tearing of his flesh, the shedding of his blood, the killing of an innocent, pure life. As our God lived out his plan of replacement payment for us. That's our God. And his righteousness revealed in it with everything we had. Remember we said wrath, it's like the glove that righteousness puts on. Righteousness working within wrath and the wrath being revealed on the cross with Christ. Yes, his righteousness revealed in forbearance as he hung on rebellious sin in his face. And he hangs on because he's got a plan. That's our God. Everybody just say, that's my God. That's my God. What a glorious solution that he has. And uh, he then says, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in him. That he might be just and the justifier. God is right in what he does. He is completely satisfied within himself who he is and what he demands. And he's willing to cover over and work with. And there's one thing required. It says right at the end there, faith in Jesus. What does it require? Man, we better get that straight. Down with good works. Enough of I'm earning it. Enough of I'm trying to keep it with good works. Up with it's all about him. My God glorified him doing the work and I'm putting my faith in him. I have nothing. You have everything. Praise be to God. That's the solution, man. His righteousness made real at the cross. And again, we see justification being the example. We see a display of his payment for us here. So, uh, a story. Uh, there was a guy, very well-to-do guy, was going on a vacation in Europe. He owned a Rolls-Royce, don't we all? He owned a Rolls-Royce, and he's like, yeah, I'm going on a trip to Europe. And so he lived in England. He shipped it across to Europe, and then he drove all over Europe with it with his family. And they saw much of the countrysides, and the car broke down. And uh, so he ends up calling Rolls-Royce up, and he's like, hey, just so you know, I'm in the middle of Europe, and my car is broken down. What do I do? I can't get back to England with it. And, and they said... Hang on, we're flying a mechanic out to you. You're like, they didn't do that for me when my car died, right? They flew a mechanic out and they brought parts with and they fixed it and got it all done. And the mechanic flew back home. He ended up enjoying the rest of his trip. He got back home to England. He ends up calling up and saying, all right, what are the damages? Rolls Royce says to him, sir, the moment this car was declared yours, there is no longer any charges anywhere recorded at all. This car is yours. You are free to continue. Enjoy. No charge, sir. That is a form of justification. They didn't do that with my Honda. Right? Uh, that's a form of justification. They're like, it's covered. The declaration covered once for all. Past, present, and future. Covered. That's what your God's declaring of you. The moment you put your faith in him, as he stands over you in that moment of you trusting upon him and he declares you righteous, he says, this one is righteous forever, past, present, and future. I've got this in hand. Do you see what I'm doing? 
Can you see my work? His glory restored. That's salvation and salvation hope. Amen? Simple question. And are you counting on him and him alone? Are you leaning upon his work and giving him your faith? Or are you trying to add to it? Like, hang on, I'm glad you got that God and you declared it, but I'm doing this too. And that's what's going to make it. Then you can declare me. Little quote for you. Did Christ finish his work or not? How dangerous it is to join anything of our own to the righteousness of Christ in pursuit of justification before God. It reflects upon his work dishonorably. He is all or he is none. In our justification, he is not some. If he has finished the work, what need is there of our additions? I love this phrase. Christ is no half savior. He is savior. It is a hard thing to bring proud hearts to rest upon Christ for righteousness. God humbles the proud by calling sinners wholly their own righteousness to Christ for their justification. Sinners responding to Christ in need and in tears. Lord, your justification through you alone. Nothing I can do. Are you counting on his righteousness? Or are you trying to muster up your own? Uh, Down with the muscling it. I get cooperating, don't hear me wrong, and I get working with him, but here's what it is. He has declared he is doing this work in you. And now your, your job every day as you get into the word, as you walk through it with him, is simply saying, God, where do you want to work today? To make good on what you've already declared in me. Where are you working? You see, all too often we listen to the scriptures, we look at the laws, we try to do the different things as responsibility lists, and here's what we're really trying to say. I don't think you've got it. I'll make it so it's so. But here's what's actually happening. He's saying you can do nothing without me, but with me, you won't believe the miracles wrought. Join me, partner with me. May my glory be shown off in you. That's our call to obedience. It's a thankful offering, showing him off, making much of him, making little of ourselves. And uh, so simple question. Hey, what are you adding to Christ? Think deep, man. Because every moment that you think ill of yourself and wished you were more perfect, every moment that your perfectionism eats you alive, You're tipping your hand as to where your effort lies. Why are we resisting? Because our pride has to take a hit. Set down you and simply quote him and say, it's all you. It's all you. None of me. And I'm done and I'm trusting you with all I got. What is it you're holding on to that's making it more about you? Set it down before him today, will you? Right here, right now. Third, his glory. God is one and he has one solution for all. His glory. God is one and he has one solution for all. 
I'm just going to kind of handle this all together. There's one big idea here. It says, then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. Are you hearing that? Uh, that's a good spot for an amen. You ready? Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. We have nothing to boast of. We have nothing to make much of. It's all about him. And uh, by what kind of law? By the law of works? No, because then that would be about you again. By the law of faith. It's all about him and what he does for me. For we hold that one is justified by faith. There's our meat words again. Justified. Think of all those meanings we just said of it. By faith. Apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Why does he say that? Because the Jews are the one who had the law. He's like, dude, salvation's going beyond the Jews. Hear me on this. And uh, next statement. Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since God is one. There is one God. There is one problem. We have trampled his glory. And there is one solution. Jesus Christ and him crucified and our faith in him to restore. One God, one solution. Who will justify. There's our big word again. How many times has that occurred in here, right? Who will justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. By faith, through faith. By faith, through faith. And uh, what's the key word there? Faith. Faith. Thank you. And so what's the difference between by and through? Why the different words? I have no idea. Just going to be real with you. I got absolutely no clue. So I'm looking at it this week and studying. And here's what most commentaries said. You're focusing on the wrong word. It's about faith. Thank you. And uh, seriously, the point is that there's a subtlety, a nuance in it. And the nuance doesn't matter. It's faith and faith alone. And that's where we're at. All right. And uh, let's get after it. Let's make sure we're trusting in him. It says, do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. The law of God is good. It is perfect. It points to a need for a savior. It reveals his righteousness. It shows that we will have a shortcoming. It demands blood sacrifice. And it simply says this, the Messiah is our hope. We have a God who is willing to declare over us with all we got. This one is justified. I love this one. Watch what I'm going to do and be in awe of my glory. That's our God at work in us. Amen. The hope of salvation, his glory restored. This is the apex, the pinnacle, the top of what's going on in the Romans gospel message, man. We got to get this passage clear or we miss so much. And, uh, well, that was a great meal. If you ever eaten some filet and you're like, now what? Time for a little celebration time. Time for some communion. And let's just celebrate with our God what he's done with us, for us, and through us. So I'm going to ask those who are going to help out with communion to come on forward and um, get set there. And as they're doing that, let me just say this. What is communion? Ready? Number one, it does not save. Clear enough? Communion. This is where we come to say, thank you, Lord, for having saved me. I'm in awe. I worship you. Thankful heart, okay? And uh, this is our ability to celebrate him. Some of you might be here this morning and you're like, dude, this is the first time I've heard this stuff and I don't know what you're talking about. 
like Jesus, I'm not sure where I stand with that. And I don't know what I do with God. And then do me a favor as we're passing the bread and cup, just go ahead and pass it by. It's cool. Just pass it by and take this moment right now to be saying, where am I with you, Jesus? Is this who you are? Then what am I doing with you? May this be a reflective moment for you to lay it all on the line for him, okay? Well, I do trust Christ as my savior. Then this is for you as the bread and cup comes down. And take the bread and cup, hold them. We're gonna take them together at the end, okay? So I'm just gonna tell you, there's a stacked cup. Just take the two stacked cups, all right? Just take one stack, all right? And uh, here's the deal. We're gonna take a time to reflect now, prayerfully before him. Let me just lead us in some prayer as we worship and as we confess before our God. Heavenly Father, Lord, we celebrate you. We worship you. We're in awe of you. You're amazing. Thank you for your shed blood, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your plan, God Almighty. Thank you for your faithfulness over us. We worship you. Let's take a moment to worship your king as our servers get ready to serve you now. bread and cup will be passed. Just remember to take a stack. There's two cups together there. The bread's underneath uh, and the drink's over the top. you and we celebrate you. We are in awe of what you declare over us. Lord, we don't deserve it. We come now confessing. What do you need to release before him? What sin needs to be let go? Just tell him right now where you are. Please forgive me, Father. These are things I've been harboring. Ill thoughts, wrong words, mistreatment, blowing up your marriage blowing up friendships man get it right before him now confess exhaling out right spiritual breathing just confessing out to him what needs to be let go now breathing in spiritually just celebrate who he is thank him for what he's done in your life as redeemer as almighty God pray and appreciate your king justifier and he is just in declaring you righteous because of his work on the cross thank him for that
maybe God's just pounding on your heart right now. Let me tell you. Praise be to God for that, right? He declares us righteous and then he commits to working in us. And so in those moments he's working in us, he's simply saying, do you see this? We're going to change this because I've already declared it gone. And now it's time for it to go. What's he pressing in on in your soul that's time to let go of? It's done. Now. Release it before him. Worship him as your God who works in you even when you're broken. celebrate our king just worshiping him where you are he is rock redeemer fortress it's your shield of faith your almighty king he is your advocate he sits at the right hand of God the father lamb of God Messiah Savior My King Worship Him For who He is in your life Father, it's in your name we pray because we have the ability to come before your throne only because of you, stunned by that privilege. You are awesome. In your name I pray and all of God's people said, amen, that's our God. You know, Jesus stood before the disciples and he was making clear who he was and check this, they didn't get it. He's standing there telling them what's going on. This whole plan we looked at this morning and they didn't understand. As he took the bread and tore it and said, this is my body broken for you. And they're like, what does that mean? Man, we can celebrate him as our king who sacrificed for us, who declares over us, who's now working in us and who guarantees for all eternity for us. That's our God. He said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. And then he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Remember, there is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. Because of Jesus Christ, because of his work, because of this shed blood, we have life, we have forgiveness, we have been redeemed, justified. He is a replacement payment for us and we have hope. Take and drink.
you what? We got an awesome God. And in the midst of us destroying what he made, he gave us every opportunity to make much of him. Will you do me a favor and just stand now as I close in prayer? And then we'll sing a song to celebrate him. Father God, Lord, I so thank you for your word. So simple, so true, so clear, and yet so easy to walk past. Lord, shake us to the core with this one truth. We need you. We are nothing without you. We are everything with you. You are our Savior, our God, our King. We have hope in you. Lord, we need you. And in the midst of our sin struggles each day, clearly let us know that it's your spirit pounding in. I have already declared this done. And now I'm making it true in you. Let this go. And let's worship me in my glory as I work in you a mighty work. We need you, Lord. We are frail, we are broken, and we are destroyed, and you are our everything. May we worship you as Savior and King and all of God's people said, Amen.